Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Good to see you here on this Easter morning. Welcome you who are watching us online. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I'm going to do this morning is something maybe you haven't done before. Okay, you probably haven't done it before. I'm going to talk about the context of the resurrection. Now, when you think about context, you think about something that happened before and then after. So we can say, okay, Jesus died on Friday. He was buried, rose again today. That's context. But I want to broaden the context of the resurrection of Jesus. I want to talk about what happened way in the past. I want to talk about the ramifications of our present. And I want us to jump to the future, the consequences of Jesus' resurrection for the future. Now, the text we're going to use this morning is called the entire Bible. It's going to be a lot of reading. Village Bible Church. So... I'm going to be flying through this. We're usually in just one passage, right? But we're going to be going passage, passage, all of the, so all the Baptists in here will love it. But that's what we're going to do this morning. So there's some themes that we could trace, right? We could talk about um, sacrifice theme. You see it in Genesis. You could walk it through the Old Testament up to the sacrifice of Jesus. We're not going to do that theme. That'd be a great one. We could talk about God's will from the very beginning. We could walk it through the, till the resurrection and all the way to the end of Christ coming back. We're not going to do that one. The theme that we're going to do this morning to set the context of the resurrection is this. The theme is the garden. The garden. I know those of you in here who love your garden, you're pumped about hearing about the garden and we're going to see a garden at the beginning of the Bible and a garden at the end of the Bible and garden throughout the Bible. And that is going to set the context of the resurrection. And by the time we're done, hopefully, we will all be rejoicing. So we're going to go through seven movements with this garden theme. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, stick with it, you will. So let's start with the first movement, that God planted a perfect garden. Turn to Genesis 1.1. This might be the only verse you can probably keep up with. First one in the Bible. Genesis 1.1, and I'll put all the scriptures up for you. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The only true, infinitely perfect God took the initiative to create not only the heavens and the earth, but also everything in the heavens and the earth. You know, the sun, the moon, the stars were all created by God, as well as water, land, plants, fish, animals. And finally, God created Adam and Eve, and he placed them in a garden. All right, Genesis 2, 8 and 9, Genesis 2, 8 and 9. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. 
Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The garden, beautiful place, provision, abundance. As the trees were pleasant, the rivers were flowing, the, the food was good. And God was the one who planted and made the vegetation spring up for humans to enjoy. So they're in the garden, but one of the things you got to ask is, what do they do in the garden? Well, one of the things they did is they worked. Work is not the consequences of the fall. Work was there before the fall. So for example, Genesis 2.15 tells us that then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. This is good. This is productive. This is fulfilling work. Not only was the work fulfilling, but marriage and the union between man and woman was perfect. Look at Genesis 2, 24 and 25 about marriage. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Man and woman, perfect harmony. They were at peace with one another in their marriage, just like your marriage. You lie. <laughs> as great as all this is, as wonderful it is, perfect union of man and woman, perfect vegetation, beautiful peace. What was the whole point of the garden? Adam and Eve walked with God. Unhindered relationship. A holy God walked with Adam and Eve. Communication, relationship, unhindered. This was paradise. But as you know, paradise has been lost. And this brings us to the second movement. We have wrecked the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, while Adam and Eve were in the garden, they disobeyed God's word and they ate the forbidden fruit. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves waist coverings. So the consequences of the wrecked garden are you get this pain and suffering, you experience that. Broken relationships, you experience that. Difficult work, painful childbearing, and ultimately death. And the most devastating thing from this fall of the wrecked garden is separation from God. Humans have wrecked the garden, Paradise has been lost. They were kicked out of the garden and things have radically changed in a sin-soaked world. But you know what we try to do? We know that the garden is wrecked. But what we try to do in our God-likeness is we try to recreate the garden, right? We know something is broken and so we attempt to recreate the garden because, you know, we got this relationship with God and maybe that's not something that fills you. And so you go look for the garden experience again. Well, let me tell you something. There was one guy who came to this earth and he had money, he had authority, he had it all. And he actually tried to recreate the garden. 
let's see if it worked. Like if you have all the money and all the power, do you think you could recreate the Garden of Eden again? Well, let's see if it worked, all right? His name is King Solomon and he gave it a shot. And he tells us about this in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter two. So he's the king. He's gonna recreate paradise. Surely this is what he's doing. Notice all the eyes in this statement. Ecclesiastes 2, 4, and 5. Look what he says. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself, made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. So in the original garden story, God planted, but in the attempt to recreate the garden, man plants. Verse 6. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. So God makes rivers, but in an attempt to recreate the garden, man makes pools or reservoirs. Verse 7, I bought male and female slaves, and I had slaves born at home. So God creates male and female, but in an attempt to recreate the garden, oh, he has male and female slaves. Something is off here. Verse 7 again, I also possess flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. So God creates animals, but in an attempt to recreate the garden, he amasses animals. Verse 8, I also amass for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I, I provide it for myself, male and female singers, and the pleasures of the sons of mankind, many concubines. So God created husband and wife for intimacy within marriage, and, and this guy has lots of concubines and many wives. And the question is, did it work? Was paradise restored? Even for him, even for King Solomon, did he pull it off? Look what he says. He says this in Ecclesiastes 2, just right after, starting in verse 9. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not restrain my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. So I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I exerted, and behold, all was futility and striving after the wind, and there was no benefit under the sun. He's like, it did not work and it left me empty. And all of our godlike attempts to recreate life for us to make us happy apart from God, whether it's in relationships or in money or in retirement, all of our workings to make our lives happy apart from God is just trying to recreate the garden. And our attempts will fail and not only will they fail, they're an affront to God because God's wrath is against us. His anger is against us. And when we're trying to have these God-like powers of doing our own thing, it just continues that cycle of enmity with God. So what's gonna happen? Well, I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament, God's like this. I got a plan. I got a plan to fix this. And he hints at it in the Old Testament that God has a plan for a new creation, a new one. We see a hint of his plan in Isaiah, Isaiah 65, starting in verse 17. 
For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. So there's coming a time where there's not going to be any pain and there's not going to be any suffering and it's going to be replaced with joy and gladness. This is the Old Testament talking. He continues in verse 19. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No longer will there be in it an infant who lives only a few days or an old person who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100. And the one who does not reach the age of 100 will be thought accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain or give birth to children for disaster. For they are descendants of those blessed by the Lord and the descendants with them. So coming a time where labor is going to be fruitful and not burdensome like it often is now. But the best part, verse 24, it will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will listen. Well, that's a change, right? There's coming a time where humans are going to be reconciled to God and before they even call, he's, he's there. He's with them. There's no more separation. And then one of the best parts, verse 25, that you know, the wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion will eat straw like the ox and dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. We have wrecked the garden. God is saying there is coming a time where I'm going to fix this. Now, some of you, I don't know if you really believe that the world is wrecked because you have retired and moved to the largest gated garden in the world. It has everything for you to enjoy. I don't think you probably said to yourself, you know what? I just want to get there and I want to relax, have peace, recreate. None of those are bad things, right? But how many of you thought, yeah, I have finally arrived. This is the spot. I'm in the garden. But it's not. And so for people who are trying to find meaning apart from God, apart from Christ, they're thinking they have arrived, their world comes crashing down when their body breaks down. Their world comes crashing down when death is staring them in the face. God's like, I got another plan. And here's the best part of his plan. Here's the main point of his plan. It brings us to movement five. This is what it's all about right here. God's new creation plan is centered on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to show you something in Matthew 4. The son of God, the great God man has come to earth. He arrives to a wrecked garden and we have this interesting picture of him in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Matthew 4.1. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now let's just stop there. Originally we had a perfect garden and Satan came to tempt and lead humans astray and they made the choice to follow the deceiver and wreck the garden. Now, Jesus, 
Is he, is he in a garden? No, he's in the desert. Is he, is he full of food? No, he, no, he's not been eaten. Like Adam and Eve, <laughs> they were full, but not Jesus. So he's in the garden, not, it's called the desert. He's being tempted by the evil one who's saying, bow down to me and I'll give you everything. And then what does he do? He resists the enemy. He does not give in. Adam and Eve failed. Jesus did not. He leaves the desert, goes on to teach the word of God, live a perfect life, heal, work miracles. And then what's interesting, what comes next? His whole plan for God's creation brings us back to another garden. You ready for this? Matthew 26, let's look at another garden. Matthew 26, starting in verse 36, then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane, the garden of Gethsemane, and told his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee with him and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He went away again and a second time and prayed saying, my father, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink from it, your will be done. Adam and Eve made a decision in the garden that wrecked humanity. Jesus Christ made a decision in the garden to restore us. Sure, Adam and Eve, their decision in the garden wrecked everything. And here, Jesus makes a decision to restore humanity. And then he went to the cross. And on the cross, God's wrath was on him for our sin. Do you realize that because Jesus bore the wrath to the fullest, there's no penalty left for you? If you trust in Jesus Christ, God's punishment for your sin is aimed at him and not you. And you can be forgiven. You can have grace through faith. And you will say, whoa, 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 how do you know? How do you know? Doesn't the story just end with he decides to go to the cross and he dies? Is death the end? Oh, by the way, there is another garden scene. Let's do this. Come on, come on. John 19, another garden scene. John 19. This one's a really good one too. John 19, 41. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. You're catching on. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So Jesus, he's buried in a tomb in a garden. And on the third day, one of his followers, Mary Magdalene, went to the tomb and found Jesus missing. And so she starts to cry. Well, let's continue. John 20, verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head of one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, well, because they've taken my Lord away and I do not know where they put him. When she had said this, she turned around and said, 
saw Jesus standing there, and yet she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. It worked. It worked. Jesus' death bore the wrath of God, conquered Satan, conquered sin, guaranteed you eternal life because of the resurrection. Someone has said that resurrection is life after life after death. Resurrection is life after life after death. Jesus lived, he died, and then he lived again, never to die. And that's never happened before. And the wrecked garden has been reversed in Jesus. He's conquered sin, Satan, and death. And this resurrection proves that the new creation has arrived in Christ. Do you get this? New creation has arrived in Christ. Forgiven, redeemed, justified, joy, peace, mercy. You can now have a relationship where you walk with God because Jesus has been crucified and raised again. And what's really cool, the Bible tells us that believers in Jesus Christ are a new creation. You're called a new creation if you trust Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We wrecked the garden, but in Christ, new creation. In Christ, adopted. In Christ, part of the family. Son, daughter, forgiven. Holy Spirit indwells you. New heart, new affections. You're like, yeah, in Christ, we are new. But we still hurt, still get depressed, still experience anxiety. At times, we we slip here and there, foolishness, sin, right? You're like, well, I thought the new creation has come. It's been inaugurated. It started in Jesus, where we are with God now through faith in Jesus. And you say, well, well, what are we supposed to do? We still live in this wrecked garden. It's still a mess out there. What are we supposed to do? And part of the answer is, you work. Adam and Eve were to work the garden, and you are to work in this wrecked garden. Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared before him for you to walk in. You're to work the garden. You're, you're to share the gospel, talk to people about Jesus. People living next to you live in this wrecked garden, and they don't have hope. They think hope is playing golf tomorrow. That's, that's the extent of their hope. You know Christ. Work in the garden is... Show them mercy, taking care of orphans, taking care of widows, taking care of the vulnerable. You're called to work in the garden, to do something. You're not just saved, just sit around. No, you're called to work the garden, and it's a wrecked mess, but you're part of the new creation. And then we come to something that's amazing. It's the last movement. God's final new creation 
in the Garden City. The book of Revelation, which many of you love. I don't know if you've seen this there before, but it talks about a Garden City. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no longer any death, no longer any mourning or crying or pain, First things have passed away. So in this city, did you catch it? There's not going to be any death, no more crying, no more pain. That stuff's gone. And I want you to notice it's not just a city, but it's a garden city. Revelation 22, our last passage, Revelation 22, 1 through 5, garden city. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God, another lamb, will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no longer any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. So one day, we're going to have the fullness on the new creation in the Garden City. So pull back and go, okay, wait, what are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about the context of the resurrection of Jesus. God made it all perfect, perfect garden. We wrecked it, but we think we can fix it, and yet we can't. And God's like, there's a restoration coming. And then the great God, man, Jesus Christ shows up on the scene. And we think, well, how's he going to restore all things through his death and resurrection? And we put our faith in him. And those who put their faith in Jesus, they're created new, new creations in Christ who, who worked the garden. And it's still hard, right? But the fullness of the kingdom is coming where we will reign with the Lord forever. And I want to tell you this because I don't know where you're coming from this morning. You can get in on this. No one is excluded. No matter how much you've messed up your life. At 19, I was living a life of immorality, filthy mouth, liar, cheater. God invaded my life and said, you know, I'm going to make him part of my kingdom and God saved me made me a new creation. People who saw me said, what in the world happened? Jesus, you can get in on this. Maybe you've heard this so many times before. You can get in on this. Maybe you've messed up pretty bad. Good, come join us. We're all sinners. You can turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Be forgiven. Be a new creation. And be headed to the Garden City. That can happen right now. No playing around, no messing around. That can happen right now. And for those of us who have gotten on this, and those of us who want to get on this, let us rejoice 
and praise our God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing, and we are going to lift the roof. Lift the roof with us. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for the redemption in Jesus. We praise you for the new creation in Jesus. We praise you that his plan to save us, to turn away your wrath, to redeem us, is a beautiful plan. And I just ask, Lord, if many of us are here, we're feeling the effects of the wrecked garden. Some of us have lost our family members this year. We've lost some functioning in our body. Some of us are even sick right now. We long for the garden city. Just let us know that it's coming. Let us know that there is hope in you now and forevermore. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would receive our praise right now as we worship you in our hearts, in our minds, and with our voices. May you be glorified. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.